In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 and following, the Apostle Paul uses a marvelous illustration to show how each of us can use our spirit-given gifts in concert with other believers to build Christ's church. To help get the point across, our study leader Dave Woodson invited a number of children in his home church in Midlothian to come up to the front and then ask them what part of a human body they would like to be. Let's join Dave as he asks the kids how many of them want to volunteer to be the eyes of the body. Everybody that wants to be an eye, raise their hand. Okay, all the eyes over here, all the eyes come and stand right here. There we have it. We have our body, right? How, what, what part are you now? Tell me, what part are you? Eyes. Okay, how many eyes do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So that, let's get separate. Let's get all the eyes away. This is an ear or something over here. We want to get away from him, okay? Okay, we have all the eyes right here. So we have a body, right? Isn't this a beautiful body? How many of you have ever seen a body with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine eyes? Wouldn't that make a great body? Okay, how many want to be ears? Anybody want to be ears? You want to be an ear? Come on over here and be an ear. Anybody else want to be an ear? We have any volunteers to be ears are really great. Ears are important. They're vital to the body. Anybody else want to be an ear? Good. We got another volunteer to be an ear. Good. Let's get all the ears over here. Okay, we've got one, two, three, four, five. How many ears does a body usually have? Two ears. Well, look at this. We have five ears. I think this is a beautiful body. How many of you think this is a nice body? We have five ears. How many of you have ever seen a body with five ears? How many of you have ever seen a body with, with all ears? Just five great big monstrous ears. That would make a beautiful body. How many of you think the eyes are a better body than the ears. Let's vote, okay? Let's clap so we hear it, all right? How many really like the eyes? You're, that's not fair. Your daughter's over here, all right? All right. How many of you like the ears? It's kind of even. Okay, let's get some other parts of the body. How many of you want to be legs? Good. We got a bunch of legs. Come on up. All the legs right here. Let's get all the legs right here. What part do you want to be? You have any idea? You don't know what you want to you, you have any idea what you want to be? You want to be an arm. Good. All right. Let's say that. We'll need some arms. Okay. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven legs. How many legs does a body usually have? Two legs. We have seven legs. Man, that's more than, than three times better than having two legs, right? So we have several ears, a bunch of legs, a bunch of eyes. Let's look at this. We've got all the ears over there, all the legs in the middle, all the eyes here. How many of you think we've created a nice body? Do we have a nice body? We've got a bunch of eyes, a big pile of eyes, a big pile of legs, and a big pile of ears. And you want to be arms? Let's get the arms. You all come up here and you can be the arms. Good? And you guys, what? you want to be left out? No, you come on up. You guys come on up. You can be the feet. All right, you can be the feet. Come on up and be the feet. All right, you want to stay back? You can stay back there and be the feet, okay? Now, haven't we, have we created a body? Have we? We've got eyes, we've got some feet, we've got legs, and we've got a bunch of ears. And what are you all again? Arms. We've got even some arms. So we've created a neat body, haven't we? 
except for the hair, okay? We haven't really created a body at all, have we? All we have is different individual parts. And well, that's not a body. We haven't created a body at all. We just have a bunch of eyes, a bunch of ears, a bunch of legs. That's not going to make a body. Let's all come back here and sit. And let's see if you guys can help me to create a body. Okay, who wants to be some hair? Let's have two eyes. You can be the other eye. We have two eyes. What else do we need on the head? We need a nose. Who wants to be a nose? Let's put a nose up here, all right? Here we go. The nose. And we need what else? A mouth. Come on up and be the mouth. What else do we need? We need a forehead. Anybody want to be a forehead? Come on up and be a forehead. Great. Good. That's good. We're going to use everybody on the head. All right. What else do we need? Ears. Two ears. Come on up. You can be an ear. You get over there and you be an ear. We need a neck. Let's have a neck. Okay. Where were those? Let's have some shoulders. We need some shoulders. Okay. Two volunteered to be an arm before. We've already used you. Come on up and be an arm. Need two arms. Anybody want to be the stomach? Nobody wants to be the stomach. Okay. Who wants to be two legs? We'll just pretend the big stomach is not too big, a really athletic stomach. Okay. Two legs. And here's another leg right here. And then two feet right here. Now look what we've got. We've got everybody together. We start with a head. We move down to the central part of the body. Two legs, two feet. And everything works together, doesn't it? Now listen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says that we as a church family, this whole church family out here, is not supposed to be like we started out. It's not supposed to be a bunch of eyes and everybody's an eye or everybody's a mouth. For example, like in the church family, I'm a mouth. I speak. And you get restless. So you're the legs, right? Okay? Can you imagine we came to church on Sunday morning and everybody spoke? I got up to teach and said, would everybody open their Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? And then everybody for the next half hour say whatever they wanted to say. That would be chaos. That wouldn't work together. What Paul is telling us is that we're all one. Everybody in this room is part of the body. Every single one of us belong. But we don't have a pile of eyes. We don't have a pile of ears. We don't have a pile of legs. Instead, we have a body. And in a body, all the parts are different, but they're all needed. I want you to remember that for the rest of your life. You see, as you grow in your life and as you come to know Jesus, many of you already have done that, Jesus gives you a special ability in his family that nobody else can do quite what you can do. So every one of you is is needed. We're all different. But even though we're all different, we're all part of the unity of the body of Christ. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It seems like a ludicrous illustration, but the Apostle Paul uses that illustration in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because the incredible thing about the body of Christ, the incredible thing about the church, is that down through the ages, people tend to want to all be the same. We all tend to want to have the same abilities, the same gifts. We want to be the same part of the body. What the Holy Spirit wants to create is a tremendous sense of unity. You see, most of the time we create unity on the basis of sameness. For example, the army creates unity by making everybody wear the same clothes, everybody getting up the same time, everybody marching the same way, everybody is the same. And they build unity in a group like that. The Lord Jesus in heaven creates unity 
from a totally different framework. He doesn't create unity by creating everything the same. Instead, what he does is he creates a group that their unity is built on a relationship. In other words, as we sit together today, the basis of our unity is the fact that we worship and we adore and we praise the living God. We worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And by a tremendous act of grace, by a marvelous miracle of a new life that's been given to us in Christ, every one of us have been joined into the, into the body of Christ. We've been made part of the family of God. We've become the bride of Christ. To use all the different metaphors that the New Testament uses to describe what we are as a church family. Now what Paul is trying to get the Corinthians to realize is that nobody in the body can raise themselves up and say, I'm the important one. I'm the spiritual one. I'm the one that really lives close to God. None of us can do that. What the Corinthians did in their assembly, evidently, is they made the gift, the spiritual gift, of speaking in languages or speaking in tongues. And we're going to be talking about what that means in the coming weeks. They made this ability to do the gift that was very evident in a marvelous way at Pentecost. They made that gift the evidence, the sign of spirituality. And so when they gathered together, the people that had the gift of speaking in these languages would exercise their gift and they would look down on other people that didn't have that gift. In other words, the Corinthians had taken, in fact, not just the speaking in tongues, but they took all the speech gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the word of prophecy, a word of revelation. They took the speaking gifts and they elevated it in their family and made it the sine qua non of what it meant to be a spiritual person. So if you were a member of the Corinthian church and you didn't have a revelatory gift, you didn't have a gift of speaking the inspired messages of God, then you felt like you were about that high. You felt like you really didn't belong. And Paul was running to the Corinthian church in the first century to try to cause them to get their eyes back on the body and the need for every single part and the need for every single ability and the fact that it was all a gracious gift from the Lord God. And so as we look at 1 Corinthians 12, we remind ourselves of the first three verses of this chapter where the Apostle Paul focused the attention of the Corinthians on the need to test spiritual phenomenon. And we talked about the fact that just because miracles are done, just because we see miraculous things happening, does not necessarily mean that we're faced with legitimate messages and truth from God. In verses 4 and following, we're, we're focused on the idea that the gifts of the Spirit are abilities that are given by the triune God. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes to live in our life and He enables us to exercise these spiritual abilities for the building up of the body of Christ. He talks about works of service, but we have the same Lord Jesus. All of these Holy Spirit abilities are to be used to serve the Lord Jesus. And 
They are the workings of God the Father. In verses 4 through 6, we learn when we study that passage that we have an intrinsic statement of the Trinity. Right here in those verses, the Apostle Paul teaches us that we worship God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that the entire Trinity is at work in the life of a legitimate believer. Now as we turn to verse 7, which is a portion of Scripture we want to look at today, he says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You know, it's very easy to get into all, kind, all kinds of controversy about spiritual gifts. And one of the things I trust as we go through 1 Corinthians is that you'll get by the controversy. I think it's incredibly sad that the chapters that were written in the Holy Scriptures to demonstrate and to teach unity have produced so much division. I think a lot of that happens because we lose the, the whole manner in which all of the gifts should be exercised, and that is of 1 Corinthians 13. We get a whole lot more concerned about being right and about pushing our position than we do about kindness and patience and gentleness. So the Apostle Paul begins in, in chapter 12 to go back to the essentials of unity and to talk about the body of Christ. Then he talks about, in chapter 13, the entire way that all of the gifts, whatever our gifts might be, should be exercised. And then in chapter 14, he deals with the specific problems that were plaguing the Corinthian church. Now, we're right in chapter 12 as he introduces the basic ideas for him of spiritual gifts. Now, some people will tell me, I have a spiritual gift, but I use it only for myself. I don't use it with others. It's something that just builds me up. It's something that makes me feel very close to God. And they tell me that I only exercise this individually. I don't exercise it with the body of Christ. What I want to share with you is the Apostle Paul is telling us in verse 7 that to each one of us, every single believer, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your life. And that Holy Spirit manifests himself. If you're genuinely born again, there is evidence of the presence of the Spirit in your life. Now, it's not necessarily an earth-shaking, you know, cataclysmic, miraculous kind of a thing. But if you are genuinely born from above, if you have genuinely received Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your life, and He's the most dynamic, the most vital, the most real person in all the universe. And he reveals himself. The word manifest means that he reveals himself. And the way that he does that is by giving us different abilities that we can use for what purpose? Notice what he says. The Spirit is given. These manifestations, these revelations of the Spirit are given for what? For Dave Wurtzen's good, right? In other words, what I'm supposed to do, my spiritual gift, to use one of them, is teaching. That's one of the gifts that I have. So what I'm supposed to do is to study during the week, make sure I know what 1 Corinthians 12 is teaching, to pray over it, and then on Sunday morning, I stand up in my study, and I say, today we're going to study about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I lock both the doors, and for the next 45 minutes, I teach. And does it build me up? Does it meet my needs? 
I mean, you've never heard such great messages. They are so great that I'm not going to share them with anybody. What would you think of a preacher, a person gifted in the family of God to teach, that did it for themselves alone? Well, obviously, it would be ludicrous. You'd be hauling me off to Terrell if for the next several Sundays when you gathered to church, you'd say, well, where's Dave? He's preaching at home today. You know, he decided he would just build himself up. You see, what Paul is trying to help the Corinthians to see is life is found in using your gift for somebody else. You see, the whole focus of the the spiritual life is that we are a body today. In fact, even more incredibly designed than this physical body is the body that I'm looking at this morning, the body of Christ. And every single one of you has been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We are in this together. We desperately need one another. We cannot fulfill the will of God by just having a few of us. Every single one of you is a vital part of the body of Christ. And every one of you that are born again have received gifts, and it's a gracious gift. It's given just by the mercies of God, so there's no reason for any of us to be prideful about it or to be elated from the standpoint of personal success because it's all just a merciful gift. But it's so important that we exercise that gift. In fact, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, flame, stir back into kindling flame the gift of God that's within you. I need that. You need that. What concerns me is I think that Satan tries to convince some of you that you're not needed. And it's the plague of our day. Americans are becoming more and more individualized. The incredible thing I notice in our society that as soon as there's trouble, then everybody wants to be involved. But where is everybody when there isn't trouble? You see, what we all tend to do is we all tend to sit in the sidelines and let powerful leaders do their thing. And when they do well, we cheer them. When they do poorly, we crucify them. That's not at all what the body of Christ should be. I would expect that in the secular world. But how I thank God for a church family, and I want to encourage us in this, that it's not individualized that we're still doing things together. We still need one another. Some of you that I'm speaking to can make an unbelievable difference in the life of a young person. You say, these kids, I have such a burden for them. There's kids that are home without any supervision. And I'm burdened to try to get involved in their lives, to be able to be maybe an absent parent that's not there. Some of you have thought those thoughts. And that's the Spirit of God in some of your lives saying you need to get involved. You need to reach out and help others. What American wants to make that kind of commitment? I don't want to make any commitments where I've got to be anywhere consistently. Why? Because I need time. And we do need time. And the Holy Spirit won't ask us to burn ourselves out. But I believe the Holy Spirit is asking some to be involved in building up the body of Christ. What I want to reach out to you with today is that in the body of Christ, you never get too old. You never get too weak. 
You never lose the abilities that under the Spirit's control that you can't use. You know, you can be 85 years old in a rest home, flat on your back, not have any physical health at all, and you can have an unbelievably powerful ministry in building up the body of Christ if you realize what Paul is saying. Maybe some of you feel like there's nothing more you can contribute to the body of Christ. That's a lie from Satan. It takes hours in prayer to overcome the opposition Satan throws against God's work. Ephesians 6 reminds us that our struggles are not against flesh and blood. It is not the physical opposition that is our biggest enemy, but the spiritual forces that oppose us. Paul concluded his classic passage on spiritual warfare like this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. What a gift that we can enter into the heart of God with our prayers and become part of His victory over the evil one. Truth Encounter is part of the body of Christ, and we covet your prayers. We cannot continue to teach the truth of God's Word without them. So whether you're flat on your back in the hospital, alone in a rest home, or a strong, robust teenager, there is not one of us who does not have a strategic role to play in Christ's plans. What a reminder of the fact that in the body of Christ, that as we move up into our 70s, or whether we're just seven, that our role in the body of Christ does not come to an end, that we still have a strategic position to fulfill, and the Lord wants to use us. My prayer is that the Lord's going to use this teaching on spiritual giftedness from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14 to help every one of you in our Truth Encounter family to find uh, that special gift, that special ability that the Holy Spirit gave to you when you were born again, that unique blend of abilities that make your personality fit right into the body of Christ and gives you a hunger to do certain things that can really be used as you learn to submit to the Spirit's control. Whether you're a charismatic believer or a non-charismatic believer, I think it's so important for us to get beyond some of the labels that we put on people and it's important for each one of us to get into the Word of God for ourselves to discern what the Holy Spirit, the true Holy Spirit says are the priorities that need to be in our lives. And then we need to get very serious about using those abilities to reach others that don't know Christ as their Savior and then to be discipling those that do come to know Christ so that we all might do what it says in Ephesians 4 to attain unto that unity of the faith. And, oh, I pray that we've been able to come into your home or into your car, into your office today and helped you to get a hunger in your heart to go back to a book like 1 Corinthians and to study the tremendous, powerful work that was going on in the city of Corinth, to be alert to some of the dangers that Paul warned the Corinthians about. And I hope that we might be able to become a source of spiritual strengthening for you a source of biblical knowledge that can begin to answer some of your questions. This is Dave Wurtson encouraging you and challenging you to encounter the truth as it's only found in the person of Jesus Christ today.